We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey, Jeff, shut up. No, I'm sorry, man. I'm blacked out for a second. This is Coach Drew Pearl. I love the field of 68. I'm going to do it all the time. This is Duke K Coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Senior Head Coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark, led by the one and only John Faint. Now, listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68 After Dark. It's the Field of 68 After Dark Thursday, March 2nd edition. There's a lot to get to tonight, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of movement. We're going to talk bubble teams. We're going to talk a battle for the number one overall seed. And we're going to talk about a couple Big Ten games that are really moving the needle potentially for two teams come March. As I speak, Purdue-Wisconsin, one-point game with under a minute left. I got Tyler Hansbrough here. I got Matt McCall here. But me, I'm a broken man gentlemen my michigan wolverines may have punched their ticket to the nit tonight and because i lost a bet with producer trevor i'm wearing an illinois jacket for this show gentlemen mccall i mean i don't even know how you can look me in the eyes like this my friend it looks like seriously like a letterman's jacket like you played a sport at the university of illinois that's how i'm taking it tyler i don't know how you're taking it but right now greg that's what it looks like i know it's been an emotional night for you so uh, me and Tyler are here for you. Let's try to have some fun and uh, help you get over that. Thank you. Tyler, help, please. Just help. <laughs> hey, I'm not a fashion expert, so I, I have no help here. You're also not an NIT expert, which does not bode well for me at all. I have 60 minutes to figure out how to cope with this mess. Uh, we are live on SiriusXM Channel 84. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers. One of our segments later in the show, by the way, speaking of Bet Rivers, I'm going to make up some prop bets because the only thing I can do to talk myself out of this funk is to obviously come up with some stupid gambling props. So I'm going to give these guys some over-unders that are totally fake. You can't even bet them at Bet Rivers. Uh, I'm very excited for that. That's late in the show. But first, gentlemen, we're going to start with my team. We're going to start with Michigan's loss to Illinois. First of all, Stepping back for a second without letting my feelings get involved. This was a hell of a basketball game. A double overtime finish. Thrills both ways. It looked like Illinois was going to run away with it with about 10 minutes left in regulation. And then it became the Kobe Bufkin show. About a 10-0 personal run for that young man. He was stellar. Michigan fights all the way back. Had a shot to win at the end of regulation. Did not go in. Go to overtime. Michigan had a seven-point lead 
with a minute and 40 seconds left in overtime. Illinois storms back, sends it to double OT, where Matthew Meyer, the monster himself, out with caffeine poisoning just two days ago from practice. I mean, he was fully caffeinated tonight in double overtime. Guys, I don't know what to make of this game. McCall, let's throw to you first. I mean, that was an instant classic. Tell me what I'm supposed to think after that. I mean, first of all, what a basketball game. If you're a college basketball fan and you were not watching that, uh, you need to watch the replay. You need to get on ESPN+. Plus. You need to watch that because that was exciting. Um, it was back and forth the whole time. I, you know, like you said, I thought Illinois was going to run away with it. Um, up 11 and then all of a sudden here comes Michigan they go on their own run to tie the game and you're like okay wait a second and then even the last play in regulation and I'd, I'd love to get Tyler's thought on this Hunter Dickinson is is outstanding he he was so good I even think when the double team comes he doesn't waste any time of trying to trust his teammates and get the ball out of the double team but man can someone on that staff help him work on his right-hand jump hook because the ball went into him. He had an opportunity to spin and shoot over that left shoulder and shoot that right-hand jump hook a couple different times, and he always wants to get back to his left. I thought the playmaking ability by Terrence Shannon in the game was just outstanding. He was unselfish, and you know he had that stretch in the second half where he didn't even score. But he was making the right play and continue to make the right play. And then even in overtime, they kept running that pin down action to get him going to his left hand, got him downhill uh, a couple different times. And they kept putting him in middle pick and rolls. And I, I thought, you know, the difference in the game even was Michigan's defense when I thought Michigan was going to win the game. You know, when you have middle pick and roll coverage and you have a guy like Terrence Shannon that's able to get downhill, that one play where Michigan double teamed him on the baseline. Like that, that was like textbook pick and roll coverage, like textbook. Like that, that's how you guard a middle pick and roll when you have a player of Terrence Shannon's capability and he can get downhill and he got all the way downhill and they double teamed him. You're like, hey, Michigan's winning this basketball game. But with a minute and a half to go, there's still so many possessions left in that game. And Illinois came roaring back and, and found a way to win. So, I know, Greg, it was a, it was a tough loss for you. Uh, but I, I just – and I know they've had their struggles this year, and I know we're going to talk bubble. But Michigan, to me, are they not one of the best 68 teams in the country? How do you keep them out? I know they've had some tough losses, but with a player of, of Hunter Dickinson's capabilities and how good was he tonight? And even, you know, listen, Illinois – didn't want him to get to his left hand and he kept getting to his left hand and kept scoring. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I do think they got to win some games. Can they beat Indiana? Can they win? They make a run in the big 10 tournament. We'll see what happens, but man, credit Illinois. What a college basketball game. Yeah. That's what hurts for me is like Hunter Dickinson and Kobe Bufkin. I think Michigan's two best players right now, both had what I would consider legacy type games. I mean, 31 and 16 from Hunter in 46 minutes, 14 for 21 from the floor. Kobe Bufkin, 23 points, six rebounds, three for four from three. I mean, that's you, you would beg for those numbers pregame as a Michigan fan and to get them and then have that lead in overtime and then for it to fall apart so quickly is what really stings. Um, Tyler, what did you make of, uh, I, I guess, Michigan's 
decision making and the just the, that stretch where the seven point lead went down to a tie game immediately. Terrence Shannon had a couple and ones in there, but did you think that Michigan really did anything wrong in that stretch or did Illinois just sort of storm back and take it from them? No, first of all, it was one of the best college basketball games I've watched all year. I mean, and to me, when I watched the game, I thought the difference was the way Illinois came out in the second half to start. I thought they got easy baskets. Uh, they started running. Uh, to me, I think Illinois relies too much on that outside jump shot, and sometimes they take uh, contested three-point shots, which I, I absolutely hate. It's almost like you get the ball in the paint and you have a layup and they want to kick it out for a corner three. Uh, I think Illinois does that a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I thought Michigan was was going to win it. I, I had him booked in there, and and – Part of that is because I don't like the way Illinois plays. I think they've, they've been too up and down, and I think Hunter's been fighting, and I thought Michigan is starting to peak at the right time. They've had some good wins lately. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I really think Illinois got their confidence up and they got some easy buckets. And, you know, Michigan, their two best players, probably had, you know, one of their best games all year. And so – um, to me, you just got to tip your hat to it. And, and they probably looking at it, they put them in, they put themselves in uh, a position to win it. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, it's a road game and uh, Illinois is a tough place to play. Yeah, Illinois was so assertive driving downhill today and Terrence Shannon in transition was a big part of that. But I also thought some of their other guys who have not been so adamant about doing that in games this year were really insistent and maybe that's because they knew Michigan doesn't have the greatest health defense in the world but like a guy like Coleman Hawkins who's been known to take a heat check early shot clock step back three here and there he didn't really take those tonight he was insistent on getting to the rim and I thought it paid off well for the Illini uh, let me ask you guys this and I'll throw this back your way McCall there's been a, a large conversation on social media in my world of is Michigan better without Jet Howard? Tonight he had a couple of huge shots late. He also had a ton of defensive and rebounding miscues that look pretty effort-based, to be honest. That's been plaguing him all season long. We know how elite of a shot maker he is. There's no taking that away. Um, but from a, I guess from the coach's perspective and just from a fan perspective, do you think that Michigan is better with or without Jet Howard? Right. If his last name wasn't Howard, would we ha be having this conversation? Right. Would, would, would we be nearly as critical um, of him and of his game if his dad wasn't the coach? Like, I think that's a question that everyone should ask and, and try to answer, because, uh, you know, when they're going to double team Dickinson from an offensive standpoint, he's got to be out there because he is a threat. And because of all the attention that Hunter gets out there on the floor, you need to have threats on the perimeter. Uh, but I, I just think it's his last name. I think it's the fact that his dad's the coach. You could even see Jawan Howard during the game when he missed a blockout screaming, you know, block the F out, block the F out. Like he's, he's yelling at him. So um, I, I just think it's overblown just because of his last name and because his dad's the head coach. Um, I think he's deserving of playing. I think he's deserving of the minutes that he's getting um, because, too, he has to be out there. They need more shooting because every team that they're going to play, even going forward, is going to double-team Hunter. 
they're going to double them. And the more shooting that you can have out there on the floor, the better their offense can be. I think some of their defensive miscues, like I said, I mean, I, I thought the pick and roll coverage on Terrence Shannon was textbook. That, that That's how you guard a middle ball screen with a guy that's getting downhill. Um, so I think the blockouts, I, I think the bigger thing for Michigan too is like if, if they want to make a run, they've got to fix the turnovers. They, they, they just turn it over too much. I think tonight it was eight assists and 12 turnovers. They have a negative assist to turnover ratio on the year. Like they've got to fix that. Like we can talk about, you know, Jed Howard and, you know, his missed blockouts or missed defensive assignments. But I think that gets overblown just because of his last name and his dad's the coach. I think they've got to find a way to take better care of the basketball. And when Hunter gets doubled and he throws it out and not just to Jet or anybody else, but there was plays tonight where Hunter made the right play and guys were missing layups out of his double teams. Like you got to make a few more of those baskets. Um, so I think the Howard thing gets over overblown just because, and again, when, when you, there's been other guys that have been coaches sons and they've had to deal with this because their dad's the head coach. And, and when you sign up to play for your dad or your dad, you know, signs on to bring you on, it's just going to add a different dimension uh, to the whole deal. And it's going to possibly bring some distractions in there. And I think that's what they're dealing with, but I think they've got to fix the turnover. And when Hunter does get doubled, those guys got to continue to make plays. And you can't miss layups out of double teams, especially when you're right there point blank at the basket and, you know, make open threes. And if they can do that, they can make a run, but they've got to fix the turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. That that type of heat and that criticism of the coach's son dynamic only gets louder when the team is now in the position that it is no, in. Much. I mean, from uh, they were in the first four out, according to our expert bracketologists, Today, going into this game, they've got the Indiana game at Assembly Hall on Trace Jackson Davis's senior night on Saturday. I mean, that's the season on the line game or on Sunday, excuse me. So we'll see what happens for Michigan. Um, one one thing I do want to just note before we wrap this segment, there was a lot of drama in the offseason between these two programs. These two consider themselves, quote unquote, rivals, I think, these days, even if uh, maybe nationally people don't realize that. There's not a lot of love lost between Brad Underwood's Illinois program and Juwan Howard's Michigan program right now. Brad Underwood is now 6-0 and as a head coach at Illinois against Juwan Howard at Michigan. That's why we call him Daddy Brad here in this state. I'm going to be honest with you. There was one big battle between these two that wasn't on the court. That was this offseason. Terrence Shannon almost was a Michigan Wolverine. The admissions department at the University of Michigan had something to say about that. He ends up at Illinois. Uh, and certainly, if you move him from one side to the other, this game looks a hell of a lot different. Is that fair to say, Tyler? 100%. And, uh, you know, I I think Jawan Howard has a has a right to be upset. You got to figure that out. I mean, if he can get in Illinois, you got to figure out how can we get this guy into Michigan. I mean, it's I don't care what anybody says academically. You got to make that happen. And uh, he is a game changer. Um, but these are two great programs. I mean, you know, they're they're you know, it's, I know they haven't had the years that everyone or the year everyone thought they might. But uh, I mean, these this isn't going to go anywhere. So this is only going to heat up. Yeah. Long way to go potentially for the season. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I think Michigan could probably stamp their ticket to the NIT if they do not beat Indiana on Sunday. If they do, that's going to thrust them right back to the cut line where, you know, depending on how much the committee values performance in a conference tournament, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, McCall, you said it in passing quickly. 
there's no way this team's not a top 64 team in the country, right? You standing by that? I'm standing by that. And you, you're already counting them out in the Big Ten tournament. That's that's disappointing, Greg, as, <laughs> as a fan. And, and your heart's broken tonight. Like, who's to say that they can't make a run in the tournament and win the tournament? You don't know. Maybe be more positive right now, Greg. Get, like, give some of that positivity to Michigan, and they can make a run. They can make a run in the tournament. I, I think it's too – there's too much basketball right now before Selection Sunday to count them out. I know they have their problems. They've lost some games this year. But there's a lot of basketball left to be played. They can beat Indiana. I know it'll be tough on senior night. We've seen teams lose on senior night uh, the last few nights. So uh, I wouldn't count them out. And I would not count them out of the Big Ten tournament. I, I, would, I wouldn't do it. Um, if, if Hunter can continue to play at the level that he's playing at and guys around him can make plays, he's going to get double team. Can people around him make plays when he gets doubled? And can they fix the turnovers? I, I think the turnovers is the biggest thing. So, Greg, I'd be positive. I, I'd have positive molecules and positive vibes, and maybe that rubs off and see what happens for your team. Listen, McCall, I tell you what, I would love nothing more than to be wearing this right now, but instead I find myself in an Illini jacket. jacket. Yes, it is what jacket. it is. You're right. Yeah. Positive vibes. I yeah. can get there by Sunday. It's on me. Let's I go. will do that. That's my Let's promise go. to you. All okay. right, we're going to go to break. Coming up after the break, we're going to break down – Purdue's two-point victory at the Kohl Center tonight, and whether or not they will cling to the final one seed come the NCAA tournament, or if UCLA might jump up and steal it from them. That's next on After Dark. All right, let's get Dagan in here and see if the chat has burned this entire show to the ground yet. <laughs> not not, not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll get there. I'm sure once we talk Purdue, UCLA, in the next section, we may, may get some of that. Um my question to you guys, a game we may not get to tonight, but I think is important for the bubble. Rutgers, obviously losing to Minnesota. Can, can the Scarlet Knights still – are they still safe? Where, 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 do you guys, where do you guys see them? Right now we have them as a – I believe a nine seed. Let me double-check that. But I believe it's a nine seed. You know, uh, I I saw a thread from Brad Wachtel, who's one of our bracketologists, that um, was urging caution with Rutgers, saying that they could – lose their final game of the regular season as well and they would still be fine there's some precedent there of uh teams that have four bad losses and have still made the tournament because of their quality wins so i'll say they're not in trouble but that's only because i saw one comment from brad on that yeah their net rankings 31 i think they're pretty solid so i i mean i can confidently say they're probably in right now yeah it's crazy when you just look at the big 10 standings 30 you know um they're sitting at 10 and 9. Penn State's 9 and 10. They're on the bubble. Michigan State's 10 and 8. Northwestern's 11 and 8. Michigan's 11 and 8. And we're talking about them on the bubble. They are on the bubble. Excuse me. Illinois is 11. Like everyone's just jumbled up. Like nobody has really separated themselves. Um, 10 seconds. So I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, you got to see what happens this weekend and what happens in the tournament. There you go. It's the field of 68 after dark March 2nd. The madness is in the air, gentlemen. You got to love it. I can almost smell 
the brackets in my hands right now. We're just weeks away. I can't wait. Uh, we are live on After Dark on Sirius XM Channel 84, brought to you by Bet Rivers. I got Tyler Hansbro here. I got Matt McCall here. My name is Greg Waddell. If you're watching us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, please click subscribe, throw us a like, jump in the comment section. We do answer questions from the YouTube chat every single commercial break, as well as after the show in our afters. Right now, we're going to go to Purdue who picked up a road win at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, another team who is absolutely desperate for wins right now as they are uh, right on the cut line between last four in, first four out. Tonight, they lose a game that exchanged leads a bunch of times tonight. This was a back-and-forth affair. Purdue's lost a couple of those back-and-forth affairs in conference play recently, especially on the road. Tonight, they get a 63-61 to victory. Tyler, we'll go to you first here. Um is this a game that you're just happy to win if you're Purdue? Like you go into the Cole Center, you get a win against a desperate team like that. You're not worried about style points as a team as talented as them. Just get the W and that's all that matters. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm concerned about Purdue, but I do have faith in them. I, I love Zach Eady. I think he dominates the paint. But to me, their guards are young. They're freshmen. I mean, they're hitting a wall. It's the back end of the, the season. So I would be concerned if their if their guard play is going to be solid enough for them to make a deep tournament run. That is that is my concern. It just to me it comes down to how good are their guards going to play, and I think that's going to be the difference maker for them. But no, I think they've they've got to keep winning because I think they're on the verge of potentially maybe slipping out of being a number one seed in the tournament. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with Tyler on that. Um, you know, going into today, they had lost four out of six. Um, and to I think if any other team in the country uh, had lost four out of six, we're not even talking about them as a one seat. We're not. And I, I think that's the reason you got to give UCLA the nod right now over them. And I have great respect for Purdue and, and what they've done this year. But I just think the, the, the losses that have kind of piled up here towards the end, but Hey, listen, today was big. They had to get it. They got it. They found a way. Zach Eady was outstanding. You know, I, I'd love to get Tyler's thoughts too, just in terms of watching those two front court players tonight, you know, what separates Eady uh, versus Hunter, because uh, obviously the size of Eady is he's bigger, but I mean, those two guys are just outstanding and they are drawing so much double teams and, different defenses and different things that they have to deal with on a night in night out basis. It can't be easy for them to deal with. So I, I you know, uh, again, tonight was big. They found a way they're on the road in an unbelievable environment. Wisconsin's a tough place to play. They sell it out. Um, it's loud in there. It's senior night. It's, you know, it's a lot of emotions involved um, and they found a way to win, but I, I think it was big, but right now for me, I'd give the nod to UCLA just because of going into this Purdue losing four out of six, but, you know, watching those two front court guys and what they have to do on a night in night out basis is just so impressive. And I'd love to get Tyler's thoughts on just what separates them. What's different? Who, who's better ultimately. And, <clears throat> and I know Edie's bigger, but you know, what's the difference between the two of them? Because, they're just getting so much and they have to do so much for their teams to be successful. Well, I think Zach Eady dominates the game with his size. I think there's not, there's not, there hasn't been many players to dominate the game just from their, you know, physical presence, like 
you know, you talk about Shaq, who just dominates the post just because he's so big. And I think Edie does that, but I think Edie's also the most improved player in college. And who's having a better year to me? I think it's Zach Edie. I think Zach Edie's probably the national player of the year. And I don't think anybody saw Purdue having the year uh, that they were going to have, being the number one seed. I think they've been consistent up until recently. Uh, but Hunter – you know, Hunter's had some uh, – he's had some valleys this year. I mean, he is a very good player. He showed up big in some of these big moments, uh, you know, that uh, that shot he hit last week. But to me, Hunter is uh, probably a better passer. I think when Hunter takes his time, takes his time he, he does a great job at finding the open guy. I think that's why it's so important for uh, Michigan to be able to make those, those layups as important for any team and those open shots. Uh, that's why they need to have shooters because the defense is just collapsing on Hunter. Um, I don't think Hunter has the height to get the shot off as easily as Edie does. Uh, so I think when he gets doubled, he's got to move the ball uh, to the open guy fast, faster. But they're similar. But to me, Zach Edie dominates because he's physically so much bigger. I mean, he's he he affects the game defensively as well as many shots as he he changes uh just with his height and length is is incredible and he really dominates the whole paint uh, i've really enjoyed it i mean i've really enjoyed watching him all year yeah the other thing i would just chime in on with Edie that makes him different from the other seven foot five whatever you want to call them, monsters that have <laughs> appeared in this sport in the last two decades right correct me if i'm wrong on this tyler and matt too maybe you've coached against one but like it feels like in the past, like a Kenny George, like, I mean, obviously he's huge. He's going to do what he does off his physical stature alone, but that's maybe like a 20 to 25 max minute problem for a team. You know, you're going to get some breaks there. Like Zach Eady can do what he does for 36 it. minutes yeah. Yeah. if needed. It's absurd. Yeah. Like that was the big question this off season, you know? Yeah. And, and he's really worked on his body. I can tell that he's put some time in the weight room. And also the other thing with, with Edie is he actually has some pretty good touch. He has soft hands too. I mean, when you go to the, when he goes to the free throw, free throw line, you don't think he's a total liability either. You think he's going to knock a few down. Uh, it, yeah. I, w I would say that is a huge difference. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, only three for eight from the line tonight, but that's an aberration for Edie compared to how he shot it this season. So let me ask you guys this. We McCall, you mentioned UCLA. It feels like to me at this point, we'll see what our bracketologists say tomorrow on fielding the 68, 5 p.m. Eastern, our bracketology show. It feels to me that there's three one seeds locked up. You got Houston, you got Alabama, you got Kansas. I would be shocked at this point if those three teams are not on the one line come selection Sunday. It feels to me that there is one spot open, and it feels to me there are only two teams that could possibly occupy it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone wins their conference tournament out of nowhere and sneaks up and nips them. But it's either Purdue or it's UCLA. And right now, I think Purdue might have – inside position on them, even though I, I think maybe the three of us might say we think UCLA could get there or maybe they deserve it based on how many games they've won in a row. But flipping that, whoever gets the one seed, that's one thing. If these two teams played on a neutral floor, are you telling me not all three of us are saying UCLA wins that game easy, McCall? Oh, you had to put me on the spot. I thought that was later on in the show. You were going to put me on the it's spot. It's later um, in the show where we really turn it up. But, like, yeah, I, I, just, I saw that twinkle in your eye when you said UCLA a minute ago. Like, yeah, what are we doing here? Purdue's I, I not mean, a top-four team in the country. 
Yeah. Again, losing four out of six, but maybe that helps them going into the tournament because they've faced adversity. They've been hardened. They've had to go through some things. Uh, But tonight was not a convincing win in terms of being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They found a way to win the game, which is the most important thing, but it wasn't convincing. And UCLA, even though they were at home, that was a convincing win. And Arizona State is fighting for their life and, and fighting for their tournament hopes. And UCLA took care of business. So um, I, I like UCLA. I, I just think the guard play uh, is way better for them. It's just more – it's veteran guards. Um, I think Zach Eadie's a tough matchup. I think Mick Cronin – I don't want to say he's an underrated coach. I, I don't think that's the right thing to say, but I think he is one of the better coaches uh, in college basketball right now. What he did at Cincinnati, what he's doing at UCLA, I, I just – I like UCLA. If you put them on a neutral floor, I'm, I'm picking UCLA strictly, especially because come tournament time, and this is no shot on any front court player, but come tournament time, you need your guards to step up and you need your guards to make plays and you need your guards to take care of the basketball. And I think that that's been an issue for Purdue at times this year is the turnovers from, from, from young guards who are going to be outstanding players at some point in their careers. But uh, I'm going to give the nod to UCLA just because of the veteran backcourt. Who deserves the final one seed, Tyler, Purdue or UCLA? Uh, to me, I really want to say Purdue, but I probably have to go UCLA. And part of my problem with this is because I think they both beat Houston. Um, and that's – I don't know. I mean, I, I no disrespect to the American Conference. They're not tested every night. And I don't think that they have somebody uh, big enough to really – uh, contain Zach Eady. I think, you know, their guards would probably get out and pressure Purdue and, uh, you know, they, they play tough, you know, come at you defense, but to me, um, UCLA definitely over Purdue, but I, I have a qualm with Houston being a number one seed. Wow. I actually am very interested in hearing a little more on this before we have to go to break, because I think a lot of people would be surprised hearing you say that. I don't necessarily disagree. Like, I think it's it's the safe thing to say Houston's the number one team in the country, right? They only have two losses, for sure. This is sort of right in the syndrome of how we've stumbled upon Gonzaga being the number one overall seed a bunch of times in the last few years. And listen, the year they had Chet Holmgren, no one was denying that was the best team in the country. The year they had Jalen Suggs, no one would deny that team had the talent to be the number one team in the country. But there's been some other times a team from that smaller conference has dominated their conference and then found themselves at the number one overall line. When you come to postseason play, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Is that a fair comparison, McCall, or am I stretching here? I think you're, I think it's a fair comparison, um, 100%. I, I agree with Tyler, though, just in terms of you know, Houston being battle tested in terms of their conference, like they have, they broken a sweat uh, in their conference. And does that prepare them for the NCAA tournament? I think that's the biggest question, right? Have they been battle tested uh, to prepare them for the NCAA tournament? They played Alabama. They lost by six at home to Alabama. I mean, obviously that was a a big time game at Virginia. uh, They win by eight. So, but outside of that, you look at their schedule Man, and again, in conference, and I've I've got on my soapbox about Penny and Memphis, and I have great respect for them, but 
they just haven't been tested. And I think that's the biggest, and like you said, it's a fair statement, right? That, that, that's the fair thing to say about Houston. Do I think they're deserving of a number one seed? Yes, I think they're deserving of number one seed. But when I look at the other two guaranteed lock number one seeds, and now we're talking about UCLA, if you said, hey, Matt, what's the team most likely not to make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament of all the number one seeds? I'm saying Houston, just because they haven't been battle tested. They haven't played in the same leagues as these other teams. They haven't been nearly as close games as these other teams. And that's what the NCAA tournament comes down to. You have to be able to win close games. And when you haven't been in those situations, you're not nearly as prepared. You can run as many different special situations in practice as you possibly want. You can do them all. But until you're battle tested in those situations, there's a difference. So I, I just think that that's my thing. I think they're completely deserving of the number one seed. I think they're completely <laughs> deserving of the ranking because they've handled their business. But if you ask me which number one seed is most likely not to make it to the second weekend of the tournament, I would pick them just because of that. One thing real quick. One of their two losses comes from a quad three team. Of the top five teams out there in the net rankings, they're the only team that has a loss in the quad three column. And you could also say they have the least amount of quad one wins of anybody in the top five net rankings. So that's my qualm with them. Uh, is they're not really battle tested. And also I have a problem. I, I think their guards are a little small. I love um, – Sazer and I love the way they play defense. I just don't think they're battle tested nightly. All right, we have to go to break here, but quickly, one word, literally one word before we go to break. If you guys were each made supreme ruler of the NCAA tournament, who's the number one overall seed in your tournament? McCall? Kansas. Tyler? I go Alabama. All right. Great answers, gentlemen. Thank you for playing my quick game on the fly. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk bubble. Who deserves to be in? Who deserves to be out? That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. You're clear. All right, if you're listening to this right now, you just heard why we might be a little skeptical of the Houston Cougars making a run all the way to the Final Four. And if you think these guys are wrong, you can prove it to them. This season, we are partnering with Run Your Pool, who will be hosting the official Field of 68 Bracket Contest. Rob Doster actually worked with Run Your Pool before, which is why he is so excited to land this sponsor. They have more than 50 game types for every single sport that you can think of, from a traditional bracket pool to survivor games, head-to-head -head games, pick X games, and my personal favorite, the squares. The scoring is customizable. You can tailor your bracket rules to the pool. It's honestly pretty awesome, but here's the best part run your pool is giving away fifteen hundred dollars in cash prizes for free that's right if you're down in the dumps like i am if your team's headed to the nit you can get fifteen hundred dollars in free cash prizes that would definitely pick me up right now just sign up at the link in the description play.runyourpool.com slash field six eight that's f-i-e-l-d six eight fill out your bracket you're eligible to win and we'll see you guys on March 12th. The real ones know exactly what that date means. You guys going to join that for us? McCall, you, did. you look like already did. You're already in? Did. Already signed up. Already signed. I signed up today. I got the I saw Doster's tweet today. I already signed up. This is the first year 15. that I'm actually able to fill out a bracket and and participate cuz oh. I'm not a coach this year. So it's, it's legal for me. You got in too. <laughs> you got to love it. Man, you get to be go. a fan now, McCall. It's a beautiful feeling.
It's awesome. We're back. It's the field of 68 after dark. Uh, I am just getting more and more dispirited as this goes on, to be honest with you. I keep remembering what happened to my team tonight. And now we're going to talk bubble teams. So my team comes back into the conversation. How fun is that? We got Matt McCall. We got Tyler Hansbro. My name is Greg Waddell. You can also just refer to me as loser. Uh, we are live on Sirius XM Greg, Channel 84. Greg, that's not positive. I'll be in positive. I we're, know, we're but I have three positive. days, McCall. Okay, like I have positive three days. positive you you have complete control over your attitude right now okay it's like as a coach speak right now you got complete control over your attitude you have complete control over your effort and your attitude right now is not positive for the michigan fan base they You're need so you to be positive so they can be positive get behind the team go on a run and get them to the tournament Okay. You're so right. I'm being a toxic locker room guy. And I'm You're honestly, a toxic I'm, locker room I'm, guy right now. I'm being hey, go in the up. portal, Greg. Go in the portal. Put this your is, butt in the portal right now. Okay? This is McCall's audition tape, man. This is, I mean, this is just beautiful. I've never been coached up like this. I love it. Uh, listen, live on Sirius XM channel 84, brought to you by Bet Rivers. If you're in the YouTube chat, by the way, uh, throw some comments at us, throw some questions. We'll get back to those in the next commercial break. All right. We're going to talk bubble. I got a couple groupings of teams here, and I want to throw some hypotheticals at you guys, and you tell me which team of these groups answers the question I proposed to you. So first group, we got Memphis, we got Auburn, we got Pittsburgh, three teams firmly on the bubble that we expect to be in the NCAA tournament. Which of those three teams do you trust the most when we get to the first round of the NCAA tournament, Tyler, let's go to you first. I'm going Memphis. Uh, and when I look at it, it has a quad four loss. Uh, Memphis uh, doesn't, nor does um, Auburn. But Auburn's lost, what have they lost? Uh, eight of the last 11 games. So I'm going to go Memphis. I think Memphis has the best player. Uh, and I know I just talked a lot of smack about the American uh, Conference, but <laughs> Uh, Kendrick Davis for me, I think he's the best player. So I'm going to have to say them at, at Jeff Goodman, at Jeff Goodman, there you go. <laughs> at Jeff Goodman. Um, I love the Memphis pick, uh, Penny Kendrick Davis. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think it's Pitt 21 and nine, 14 and five in the league. They were dead in the water, uh, after the legends classic loss to VCU and Michigan, Everyone was calling for Capel's head, and then they go on to win the next 10 out of 11, including wins over Carolina and Virginia. Uh, there was no chance the basketball gods were going to allow Mike Bray to lose his last game in South Bend. So I'm not putting too much <laughs> stock into that loss for Pittsburgh. Uh, I love Burton. I've talked about him on the field of 68 before, recruited him. Uh, at UMass, uh, was so impressed just with his character and the, and the whole recruiting process and how he handled himself. You can say good year for the ACC, bad year, whatever. 14-5 and five in that league is impressive. They're tied with Miami and Virginia for the best record. So um, I love Memphis. I'm not trying to pick over them, but I think uh, Pittsburgh is a team that I trust the most in terms of those three teams. I feel like enough people haven't given Capel his props this season. I don't know if that's just me not being in ACC circles, but like, I mean, to, to be in contention to win that conference after the way his tenure there has gone and the way this season started, it's pretty dang impressive. Tyler, are people talking about him for ACC coach of the year? Absolutely. It's been a 180. I think he's done a great job. Uh, obviously coming into Carolina, beating us twice. 
but yeah, he has, you know, changed the perception and he came into uh, my impression. He probably came into the year fighting for his job and he's definitely proven that uh, he deserves a lot of credit, a uh, chance to win the ACC. Uh, no one saw that coming. So yeah, he's getting a lot of credit and he deserves it. Good. All right. So I got to play tiebreaker here. We got one vote Memphis. We got one vote Pitt for team that you trust the most that is on the bubble. I'm glad neither one of you said Auburn because the word trust and a team with Wendell Green at point guard do not belong in the same sentence. I'm going to break the tie and go Tyler here. I'm going Memphis. Two words, Kendrick Davis. I'll take that team in March. I like the way this Pitt team is playing, but I think you said it, McCall guards. That's what you want. Veteran guards in March. And there are not three better point guards in the country. Maybe that's even generous for Kendrick Davis. Uh, I could certainly see him going on a rampage in a wide open season and leading that team deep into the tournament. All right. New group, North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin. This one might be a little easier than we had hoped pre-show. That's okay. Which team from that group deserves to be in the field the most? McCall, we'll let Tyler think on this one. I'm sure he doesn't have his answer ready to go there. Let's go to McCall first. Well, obviously, Michigan and Wisconsin have, have played in a better league this season. Uh, I think the numbers prove that. Um, you look at Pittsburgh and Clemson, both as bubble teams, and Carolina is behind both of them uh, in the league standings. But, uh, you know, Carolina wins the head-to-head -head matchup uh, versus Michigan. Uh, that, that's something too that I think we need to talk about too. Just how much stock does the tournament committee put into the head-to-head -head matchups? You can throw the net out. You can throw the numbers. This that these bubble teams do they go back to who beat who and the head-to-head -head matchup? So I think with those three teams, I got to give the nod to Carolina. They beat Michigan, uh, so I'm I'm going to roll with them. Tyler. Smart man. I'm going Carolina too. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, we beat Michigan head to head. Uh, yep. And I look at it, Michigan, unfortunately, has a quad four loss. Sorry, uh, Greg. And Unfortunate. Wisconsin's ranked 72 in the net. I don't understand how we consider them really a bubble right now. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. That's not really – I don't even think they deserve to be in the category with uh, Michigan and UNC. But uh, I'm actually pulling for Michigan – uh, to get a win uh, in Indiana. I wanted them to win tonight because that would have put them in the top 50 and given Carolina another quad one win. We've only got one other one, uh, but we've got a chance this weekend, but obviously Carolina for me. Yeah, that's the right answer. I'm glad I don't have to break a tie on this one. I think that question was a lot more difficult before the results of the Michigan and Wisconsin games tonight. Uh, it, it's interesting because it, separating Carolina from the group of the two Big Ten teams here, um, man, if that Hunter Dickinson buzzer beater doesn't go in against Wisconsin, then we're not even talking Michigan on the bubble at all. Then Wisconsin's 2-0 and against Michigan. Then maybe they do have a better argument. Maybe that net jumps up just a little bit. Um, instead, you know, kind of luck of the draw with that one. Michigan's still hanging around, but yeah, the head-to-head -head separates it for me. Uh, I think North Carolina's playing the best out of this group right now, to be honest with you. I, just their last couple of games, uh, I, maybe a week and a half ago, I wouldn't have said that, but right now I like their chances. All right, final group for our bubble superlatives here. We got West Virginia. We got Oklahoma State. We have Mississippi State. Which one of these three teams should not be in the field of 68 as of right now. Tyler, we'll go to you first. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I really want to say Mississippi State, but I really like them. Uh, I think they've they've come on lately. I'm actually going to go Oklahoma State. I know they play in the Big 12. They're tested every night. It's an unbelievably tough conference, but uh, I don't know. They have the the highest net rate. They're 47. Uh, UNC is 45. So, yeah, I don't, I, it'd be Oklahoma State for me. McCall? Yeah, I hate to go against the SEC, but I, I got to go Mississippi State for me. Uh, the Big 12 is a beast every single night. You know, pre-conference, Mississippi State beats Marquette on a neutral site. So you think, oh, okay. But they lose to Drake, uh, who's not in the field. Drake's a good mid-major team, but they're not in the field. And then they lose to Florida and Georgia in the SEC. And neither one of those teams are in the field. So uh, I just think that that the Big 12 is such a beast. I think Mississippi State has had some bad losses, even though that they've won some games as of late. So um for me that's that's them just strictly because of of the conference and and the losses that they've had in conference you know if they're losing to Tennessee and Alabama that's one thing but you know my alma mater is not in the field Georgia's not in the field they lost to both of those teams so uh I'm gonna say them you know I'm just looking back through schedules here there's one win that I think moves the needle in a big way for Mississippi State. I don't even think we would be talking about them without this win. Uh, that's a win at TCU. It was a home uh, game, but yeah. a win a win against TCU. That one certainly helps them separate from the pack a little bit here. The other thing that's just crazy to me, I genuinely, I, I feel like I have a pretty good pulse. I watch a ton of games. I did not know that Oklahoma State had lost five straight games coming into tonight. I mean, that's... They've had a gauntlet of a schedule. You look at Kansas, TCU, West Virginia, Kansas State, Baylor. None of those games are easy. That's the heart of the Big 12. But uh, this final game of the season for them at Texas Tech is going to be massively critical. I think if they lose that one, that might essentially be an elimination game for them right now. So I'll go Oklahoma State, just given the fact that they've lost that many straight games in a row. Last thing on that group, though, West Virginia. I don't know that there's a team that metrics are so off compared to their actual on-court results of in the entire co- I mean this team is 19th in the country on Ken Palm. You guys, they're 6 and 11 in conference play and I know the Big 12 is incredible, but like McCall, this team's not a top 20 team in the country or anywhere close to it, right? I don't know. I mean they you know, they've they were right there with Kansas the other night. Um, 
you know, they, they, they play hard. They're, they've lost some close games. They've also won some close games. You know, they, I, I thought they were pretty good out there in the PK-80 uh, early on in the season. So uh, to, for the Ken Palm to have them ranked as high as they are, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I, I wouldn't want to see them. And, and they're not a, they're a team that could make a run in the Big 12 tournament, I mean, with how that is and how it's shaped up and just the parity in the conference. Um, I, I don't, I don't agree with Ken Palm's ranking on them, but man, they're definitely not the team that we're picking amongst these three teams that should not be in the field. And we know that. Yeah. There's some separation there for sure. It, it kind of reminds me back to my pick 10 world, uh, Ohio state, like the entire season and beginning of conference play was just a top 20, 25 team on Ken Palm, even though they were losing game after game after game. Finally, they started falling once they started losing like nine, 10 in a row. West Virginia certainly hasn't done that, but it's just one of those ones that jumps out on the page at me is like, how, how does a team with that record hold that spot so highly? All right, guys, coming up, uh, I'm going to put you through one more of my stupid games here. I have cooked up some quote unquote secret shit. That's what it says on our rundown. That's next on the field of 68 after dark. I'm clear. All right, Dagan, get back in here. Save us. Hello. 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 Um, I know we already talked about Purdue, but a uh, question in the chat from Michael. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about Painter switching up the lineup a little bit, shaking things up um, tonight? Obviously, worked out for them after losing a few a few games in the last uh, few games. Well, I think that's what you have to do, right? I, I think. You know, you lose four out of six. You know, what's the saying? You know, you, do, you know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So, um, I like it. I, I think he sends a message to his team, and and this is what we're doing. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's the head coach, and uh, it worked out for him. I love the move. Um, there's nobody on the team that's entitled to playing time except for probably Zach Eady to me. Uh, yeah. And it, the guys are young. So, you know, if you want to play, you know, like Bob Knight said, what's the biggest motivator sitting on the bench? So, you know, they had to do something to change uh, the way they're playing. I also think 30. psychologically it, it's a move that works because it was to some veteran guys exchanging parts. Like, I don't think you're going to worry about losing Caleb first mentally by moving him to the bench here. I trust that uh, he would survive. Not that he would lose anybody on this team. I love the chemistry of this team, but uh, I'd be a little more concerned just about the, the decision if it was one of the freshman guards this late in the season. So you keep them in. I like the move. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the field of 68 after dark. It is the fourth quarter of our show tonight. We have had some crazy games in the college basketball world. Uh, we already broke down Michigan's loss to Illinois. We broke down Wisconsin's loss to Purdue. And now it is time for my favorite segment of the show. We are going to do some over-unders with some fake props. That's right. You can't go to Bet Rivers and bet these props. If you could, I certainly would. Uh, and I got two guys here with me that I'm going to be very excited to hear their answers to these questions. We got Tyler Hansbro. We got Matt McCall. Gentlemen, let's get right into it. This is how the game works. I'm going to give you an over under with a number, and then I'm going to give you the fake quote unquote prop that you are going to have to tell me whether or not 
you will take the overside or the underside that will happen in the NCAA tournament. All of these are built around the tournament itself. All of these are, again, not real props. You cannot bet these. Don't go looking for these at Bet Rivers. Prop number one, we'll start in the Big Ten where we had our two biggest results of the night. Over or under 0.5 Big Ten teams will make the Elite Eight. In this NCAA tournament, McCall, we'll go to you first. Ooh. Uh, man. Just over or under, no, no, no response, no reason why. Just over then. Oh, you, the... you can explain. You can explain. Uh, I just think battle tested. I, I I'm gonna take the over. I, I think they could they could get two teams in the elite eight. No question about it. We'll see. You know, can Purdue make the run? Um, you know, can Illinois get hot? Where does Indiana end up? Where's Trace Jackson Davis? Uh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take the over because, yeah, I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Tyler? I'm going under. And if you look at the net rankings, I've been a net a big net rankings guy tonight. Uh, there's only one Big Ten team in the top 15 net rankings, uh, and that's Purdue. And am I sold on Purdue? Uh, kind of not really. I think they might. They, they could get in. Uh, but to realistically, I think if Indiana gets hot, I think they can be an Elite Eight uh, team. But I don't see that happening. I'm going under. Yeah, I I feel like this prop is almost a. Are you buying Purdue or not? Or That's I guess it. you could t- you could talk That's me it. into Indiana yeah. also. But um, I'm gonna go under, man. I, it hurts me to say this is not positivity like McCall Watts for me right now. Right. But... That's a, maybe that's why I'm going over is because I just want you to be positive. I'm that's flipping. It. I'm going over. I you know what? You to, yeah, there you go. There I'm you flipping. Go, okay? Listen, like, it, it's because it's the moment everybody counts them out, right? Where nobody. That's exactly coming. right. That's what that's happened exactly. with the ACC last year, Tyler. Exactly like, who's, right. who's to say? Last year's ACC got three teams in, and the Big Ten can't do it this year. Can you? It's imagine, a new thing. I, and I would love to go back to 2014 and see if Rob Doster was negative or positive about the UConn Huskies going into the NCAA tournament when they won a national championship because nobody thought they would do that. Nobody had them getting out of the first round and they win the national title under Kevin Ollie. So listen, positivity, maybe Rob was super positive. Maybe he was super positive and high on his team. And uh, you know, so that's, if he was credit to him and that's what you should do right now. We don't need to give Rob Doster any more credit for anything (laughs) UConn related. Trust me. All right, let's move. uh, My next one here over or under 0.5. Again, teams. You love, you love that number. I love that number. It's a key number, McCall. 0.5 teams from the big 12 that make the national championship game. This isn't just, you know, mess around and make the elite eight. Now, this is, are you back in any of these great Big 12 teams in the best conference in college basketball to win five games and appear in the national title on Monday night in April? Tyler, you first. I'm going over, and I'd put the farm on it. I think, I think there's <laughs> numerous teams in the Big 12 that can make it to the national championship game. I believe in Baylor at this point. I believe in Texas at this point. I believe in Kansas, TCU. I, it's uh, – it's the best conference. I, there's no question it's the best conference this year, but I could see teams, uh, a numerous, you know, a couple teams getting hot and getting there. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with them. I'm going to go over. Somebody's going to be in the national championship game from that conference. It's too good of a league. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing any team, but I, I just think it's too good of a league. You got to, you got to pick one of them to, to, to play in that game. Yeah, you got a lot of tickets there, right? It's like, uh, it's like when you get the free spins if you play a slot machine or something. That's what it feels like betting the Big Twelve in this prop for me. You got like a hundred chances at it. Uh, I would be shocked. I, well, I'll say this: I'd be shocked if one doesn't make the Final Four to make the national championship game. Obviously, that's another further step. You never know what's going to happen when you get there. Uh, but this is the best conference in hoops, and there's four legitimate shots at it to me that I think could get there. So consensus over. That means the line's going to move, gentlemen. Next time that someone comes on this show with that prop, it's going to be one and a half. We got it at a good number right there. Next prop here, we'll see if I can make it a little more difficult on these guys. Over or under, 1.5 Blue Bloods to make the Final Four. Remember last year was the Final Four of all Blue Bloods. We had Duke. We had Carolina. We had Kansas. We had Villanova. Yes, I'm going to count Jay Wright's Villanova as a blue blood here. Uh, we'll also give you Kentucky. We'll also give you UCLA. I think we'll draw the blue blood line right there unless I'm missing anybody else. Over under 1.5 blue bloods to make the final four. McCall. I'm going to say under. Uh, I think one of them will make it. I, I just think there's too much parity in college basketball this year to give, you know, the two one seeds – in terms of blue bloods right now, we got Kansas, we got UCLA. I think they're both outstanding. I don't think both of them make the final four. I think one of the two of them do. Uh, again, like you said, the, the tournament comes down to matchups so much. And for both those teams to get the right matchups, the entire tournament to get themselves to the final four, um, I think it will be very difficult. So uh, I'm going to go the under just because of that. But I think one of them gets there. Uh, I think there's a blue blood in the final four, but to get two there with the parody in college basketball this year, I, I think it's too difficult. Tyler. I'm going under. I'm with you. I, I, I think to me, if UCLA and Kansas, uh, they're the only realistic shot. Uh, and I'm saying that because <clears throat> let's be honest, Carolina is going to really, really have to catch fire. And I don't see that happening. We don't handle success. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Duke Duke's heating up. They're catching the normal Duke heat. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of jumping on, but I don't think they're talented. I think they're too young. Uh, Kentucky, you know, peaks and and valleys for them all year. So I'm going under. All right. If I moved that line on you and it was zero or one, if you're both under 1.5, would you say zero or one McCall? You said one. Yeah, I think one team, I think a blue blood will be in the final four, which one it is. Like we said, I think the two favorites are obviously UCLA and Kansas. I think one of the two of them probably get there. But to get two of them there, I think it's a long shot. Tyler, would you go zero or would you go one? Uh, no, I'm sold on Kansas. I think Kansas can really can go. And, and I believe in Kansas. I think Bill Self's done an unbelievable job. I, I think their team is tough. Um, yeah, I, I have too much faith in them. Okay. I think that's the right answer too. We're all pretty aligned on this. Uh, All right. Final. Well, we might have two left depending on how quick this is. Maybe the final prop of the night over or under 13.5. Wow. As the highest seed to win an opening round game in this NCAA tournament. So over meaning either a 14, 15 or 16 seed wins in the first round under meaning there are no monumental upsets from a 14, 15, 16-seeded team. Tyler, what do you got? 
I'm going over. I, I don't, you know, I think this tournament is wide open and I think anybody, this is going to be a great tournament. I mean, uh, you're going to see some upsets. So I'm going, I'm going over. I agree. I'm I'm going over. I, I think somebody's going to beat, I think a 14 or a 15 seed. Obviously there's only been one 16 seed uh, to win a game. Could that happen again this year? This would be the year just because of the parody in college basketball. So I'm a Tyler. I'm going over. Yeah, I think every fan around the country wants that to be an over, right? We want some chaos, just not to our team. I'll go over with you guys. We'll make that a sweep. All right, we got time for one more final prop, guys. About a minute left in the show. Over or under, back to my favorite number, 0.5 teams from the state of Texas that make the national championship game this season. The final four is in Houston. You got Houston. You got Baylor. You got Texas. You probably got some other teams I'm not naming. McCall, will one of them make the national title game? Ooh. I'm going to go under. I I, I just I, – I'm not – I don't think Houston's battle-tested enough. That's a great story. I have unbelievable respect for their program. Uh, but I just think those close games come into the late tournament time, the national championship game. I mean, that's a that's a big, big game to get to. You've got to get a little 15 bit lucky. Seconds left. So I'm going to go under. 10 seconds, Tyler. I'm going to go under, and I think it could be University of Texas. I love what Rodney Terry's done. That's the team I do believe in, but I'm going under. I don't believe in them that much. I love it. Field of 68 after dark. <laughs> We are out a buzzer beater, guys. Good work. That was awesome. Good work. That was awesome. Oh, man. Let's get Dagan back in here. Let's do some questions from the chat. My goodness. You really squeezed that one in there, guys. That was impressive. I'm very impressed. Uh, here we go. Jacob wants to continue the game, so we'll continue it. Over, under, three and a half is a big number here. Over, and a half, uh, over under, three and a half Big East teams in the Sweet 16. Ooh. Seeing as they're probably only get five teams in the tournament. <laughs> That is, so that is interesting. Four, the over would, would be four. I would, I would say I'll, I'll move it down to two and a half. Yeah, that's a crazy line. That's yeah, just two and that's a, half a crazy is, line. Is, you got to consult with the field of sixty-eight odds makers first. I, I'm going under. I think I think two teams could get to the second weekend in the Big East. Um, you know, but I, I I don't see I don't see three of them getting there. I, I don't. I, I think the tournament is going to be too good. I think there's going to be too many matchups. It's going to come down to matchups. So. I'm going to go under. I'm with you. I'm under. I don't believe in the Big East that much. I'll take the over on teams I picked to the Sweet 16 from the Big East. <laughs> I like this. Like I'm definitely a Xavier believer, a Creighton believer, a UConn believer. Marquette, if they have a decent draw, I like them. I don't know that it'll happen, but I'll pick it. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, let's see. Oh, Rob's in the chat. Um, and this one, this one, we're gonna go back to this one. I'll call the hands, but this one's for you guys. This was brought up on Tuesday's show. Uh, Yuli wants to know in the chat, even though he's not here, but uh, I know he, he's asking. Shut up, him, Rob. Who who has the better eyebrows between Greg and Rob? <laughs> Rob Doster. <laughs> the chat wants never, to know. Never once ever really looked at it. I have no idea. Does Greg have good eyebrows? I That's no the idea. right answer, McCall. I got my hair right cut answer. today. I mean, the, the lady that was cutting my hair, she said she does. She she want to trim my eyebrows because I'm gonna go in studio this week. And I said, no, I don't need my eyebrows trimmed. Just leave my eyebrows alone. Just cut my hair. So. I don't know if that's uh, that's a thing if you guys do that. So I'm not. I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wipe my hands on this one. 
I don't have a clue. I haven't really noticed. I mean, when you said that, I thought they might have shaved some of your eyebrows off, but no, nah, I mean, I've... it's a wild world we live in. Yeah, where, uh, Tyler Tyler Hansrose has to comment. On I want to. I want to know. I want to know when Tyler tweets about BBN in Kentucky, how many BBN in Kentucky fans slide into your DMs? I mean, it is absolutely what amazing. What's, what's, some the, these... what's the line? Sit the over under. We'll just keep the theme. <laughs> I, I, I have no clue. I mean, I, I I mean, some of these comments are absolutely hilarious. I, mean, <laughs> I should start sending you guys some of this stuff. It's it's comical. That's fantastic. That's, here's, a, here's a good comment in the YouTube chat. Over under three millimeters total cumulative length of Dosser's eyebrows. There you go. The chat really loves it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the eyebrows. It's the after. It's so it's point. the after. So that'll, 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 that, that will get that will get brought up the next time I am on a show, bro. <laughs> I can assure you. Is this multiple people or is this the same person asking about? Oh no, it's 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 been a thing. All right, good. Ever, ever since the athletic greens read, it's been all over the place for Dusters' <laughs> eyebrows, let me tell you. All right, let's get back to, to basketball. Uh, I think I made the answer to this one, but we'll we'll ask anyway. Your dark horse to win the Big Ten tournament. I think I know McCall's answer, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> What's my answer, David? Well, seeing as you've been preaching positivity all afternoon, I, I have a feeling you're going to go with Michigan. Oh. Um, Practice what you preach, Coach. No, I, 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 on, coach. I, 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 I think a dark horse is it. I mean, Purdue's the favorite. I think a dark horse is Illinois. I, I, I think if they can make shots – but like Tyler said earlier, not just rely on perimeter shooting. I mean, there was a, it was a dunk contest at one point in the second half tonight. They were out on the break. It was unbelievable. So um, I, I'm going to go with Illinois. I, I think that they, out of all the teams, and they're obviously not going to be favored, I, I'm going to pick them. The, the, I'm with you. I'm, I, one thing I hate about this is why does Illinois always settle for – outside three-pointers i don't understand when they they the shot selection is not great i mean no the, the run and the quality of shots when they play fast is so i mean so much better i just don't understand why they'll do that but for me the dark horse is iowa um uh, the fran stare down last week is the best thing in college basketball this year i loved it so uh i think it's working i think it's got some power so i'm going with iowa i can't believe the guy didn't give him a technical <laughs> i can't i can't believe it like that, that I was, love that man. That, that was, was absolutely most, hilarious. That, but that was the most unbelievable thing about the whole deal. Like the guy didn't even like he he stared him back. Like he didn't even like most officials in that situation. Like you think Teddy Valentine would have give like would have just sat there and no, he's teeing him up. Like Brian O'Connor, like oh, these guys were like they're giving him a technical foul. And that guy just I don't even know who that official was. I've never had him in a game, but I know there's plenty of guys that would have given him a technical. I gotta say, how quick are you getting teed up when you pull that move, McCall? I mean, oh it's immediate, right? Yeah. Now that I'm now that I'm doing TV, all these officials come <laughs> up to me before the game. They give me a hug. They're so excited. I'm not <laughs> over there stomping my feet and screaming and yelling. Gosh, uh, I want to answer my Big Ten dark horse quickly. I think it's Michigan State, and I say that as a Michigan fan. Uh, I've been trying to to preach to people. I don't think anybody's really noticed this team has been awesome for almost all of February. If you look at the two games they lost in February from uh, February 7th on, they're four and two in their last six. One of the losses was Michigan. They outplayed them in Ann Arbor. That game was five days after a mass shooting on their campus. And they were up for 35 of the 40 minutes of that game. Their next loss was Iowa. 
They outplayed them the entire game until the final minute and a half. And then we saw the miracle unfold. I think this team's phenomenal right now. They're shooting 57% from three over the last two weeks. Veteran guards shooting around them. I'm buying that team right now. Perfect. Beautifully, beautifully answered by all three, by all three of you. Um, we talked a little bit about this one uh, pre-show. David Bentley wants to know ACC player of the year. I'll go Tyler. for Isaiah Wong. Uh, and I, and I reward winning. Uh, I think Burton from, from Pitt would be a good answer too, but um, Isaiah Wong right now for me. Yeah. I, I think it boils down to who wins the league. Uh, who wins the regular season, and, and it should always go to the best player on that team. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, when I was at Chattanooga, we, we won the the regular season, and that wasn't the case, and I, I just couldn't believe how is that not the case that we don't have the player of the year. We have the best team, right, at the University of Florida one year. I think Chandler Parsons, his senior year, averaged like 11 points per game or 12 points per game, something like that, but they were the best team. They won the league, mm-hmm. and he was SEC player of the year. So, I'm a fan of reward and winning, like Tyler said. I'm I'm a big fan of that, so I, I would give it to Wong. Who are the other big candidates? Like we don't even is it like Burton? <clears throat> I mean, I would say you could say Baycott from a statistical standpoint. I mean, double double about every night, but I mean we're like eight. I don't know. We're damn near the bottom, so it's hard to give somebody that type of award. I mean, Clark from Virginia, would you put him in a category? I mean, they're, they're tied yeah. to the lead, right? Yeah, I would I would say that too. Yeah. yeah Someone in the chat pick. just said Jarkel Joyner from NC State. Yeah. I feel like if you're, if you're going that far down in the standings, yeah. they'll give me Baycott. I would do Turquavion Smith before him. I think Turquavion had a great uh, first half of the ACC. You know, I think there's an argument to be made for L. Ellis, gentlemen. For doing what he's done, given those circumstances, that man needs some sort of trophy on his mantle at the end of the season. I'm just saying. All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, Trevor has entered the chat, by the way, Greg. So I would uh, advise Great. you to, to stay away from YouTube chat <laughs> Great. For, for now. Um, I just had one. I lost it. Oh, the floor for floor and ceiling for Illinois in the, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming the floor would probably be first round. So we'll just go ceiling. I mean, I think they can get to the second weekend, but like Tyler said, they, they they rely so much on perimeter shooting. Like even tonight, I mean, they found a way to win the game, but some of the shot selection, you know, coming down the stretch and, and late in the second half, it's just you, you scratch your head at, in terms of what's going on, especially with Terrence Shannon, because I think Terrence Shannon, I think he's so good. I, I think he's unselfish. I think he's got feel. When they put him in ball screens, he can make the right play. You know, he threw some of those drift passes to his left hand where he hit guys in the corner for threes. Um, so I, I just – I don't know why they shoot as many contested shots as they do. Um, so I think because of that, I think it's going to be hard for them to get to the second weekend. So I think they get out of the first round. I, I do think they can make a run at the, at the, the Big Ten tourney title. Uh, but they they're gonna if they're gonna take those types of shots, they gotta make them to, to be able to get to the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight. I, I agree. I, I don't see them making a deep run. I just don't think the chemistry has been there uh, this year with the team. Um, at times, I think I do think they play a little selfish. I wish they they ran more and got easier uh, buckets. They have the talent to to be a Final Four team. 
I just don't see it working though. I, I mean, I see some selfish shots. I, I don't know. I, don't, I think they could lose in the first round. Yeah. The thing with Illinois to me is for one game, they can beat anybody like their a plus game is at least a top 10 a plus game in the country, in my opinion. And that's proven like they, they beat UCLA on a neutral. They beat Texas on a neutral. Those are their two biggest games of the year. They won both those games. The problem is that the way this team plays is not conducive to winning two straight games, let alone six straight games. And Brad Underwood's also not ever gotten past the second round of the NCAA tournament. That can change on a dime. I know that. I don't like to just categorize coaches that haven't done it before that way. Um, but, man, this Illinois team, I just went through their entire schedule, guys. They have not won two straight games against teams that will play in the NCAA tournament once this season in 30 games. So if I have to go ceiling, man, round of 32 feels like an honest ceiling to this team to me. All right. Uh, another classic question um, from the chat. Chris wants to know what mid-major do you think goes the furthest in the tournament? Obviously, Houston, Gonzaga, not not included. I'm also going to take out St. Mary's. I know that they're included, but that's the easy answer, so we're taking them out. FAU, the local team. Let's go. <laughs> that's your boys. Unselfishness. They, they're top 50 in defense and offense. I, I mean, come on. Um you know, the, the the team, and I'm not trying to be an A-10 homer here, but I, the team that's dangerous, that just has found ways to win games, is VCU. And it'll be a shame if they don't win the A-10 tournament if they're not in. Um, Ace Baldwin was not healthy the entire year. When he's healthy and he's out there, they're a completely different team. Um, they're dangerous. They defend. They play hard. They have that VCU mentality. Um, that seems like every coach that's ever coached there, whether it was Capel, Anthony Grant, Shaka Smart, Mike Rhodes, Will Wade, whoever it was, they have that. That that's that's the identity of their team. You know, everyone wants to talk about identity. It doesn't matter who the coach has been at VCU, they have that identity. I think they're a dangerous team. I'm not saying they can get to a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, but that first round matchup with whoever they play, and again. If they drop one in the tournament because they have an off night, it'll be a shame that they're not in the tournament, in my opinion. I'll just go Liberty because uh, their net ranking is 40, and uh, I'm a big net ranking guy. Tyler stole mine. Darius McGee is balling right now. They had a scary one tonight, man, a very scary one for their tournament hopes, but uh, got the victory. They can take care of Kennesaw State. That's a dangerous team. And they might be, I don't know what seed line they'd be. I'd assume like a maybe a 13-14, right in that range that we talked about. Um, that's a scary team for a, a high major team to draw. All right. Uh, I think that's gonna be it for me for tonight. Perfect. All right, let's get to toast. Tonight. Let's get to toast, gentlemen. Anybody got one ready to go? I got one. Uh my toast is to Mike Bray. My brother played for him. I think he's done an awesome. unbelievable job at Notre Dame. I hate to see him uh, leave Notre Dame. I just associate him with Notre Dame basketball. And I love the clip of him uh, throwing down shots last night at the bar. So I got to give it to awesome. him. That was legendary. Cheers to that. To Mike Cheers Bray. to that. That was great. What was he drinking? Do we know what the drink was? I, well, he had, I a, saw he had, a, I he had a beer in his hand. And then I, I think he was like a shot of Jameson, wasn't it? It was a Jameson. Yeah, there's an old school shot. Half a beer, throw the Jameson in there, slam it. But he took the Jameson. <laughs> You got to love it, man. I would love to know how his head was feeling this morning, honestly. Uh, he struggled with it. 
That was great. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, my toast tonight, I'm, I'm going to toast Illinois. Uh, I'm going to give it up for Coach Underwood, Terrence Shannon, to find a way to win that game dead in the water with a minute and a half to go in overtime. Um, you know, Michigan had their chances. You, you can make an argument they should have won the game, but Illinois kept fighting. So I'm going to toast that. That was it. That was, like Tyler said earlier, that was the best college basketball game that I have watched this season uh, from start to finish. So I'm going to toast Illinois. Respect. Sorry, Greg. Sorry, Greg. No, respect. I I okay. think somebody had to. And uh, I'm glad you did it so that I didn't have to, to be honest with you, McCall. Um, all right. I'm going to. I'm going to take your words to heart here, coach. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to toast to a Michigan Wolverine. I'm going to spread some positivity. I'm going to speak on behalf of this fan base. There's one guy on this team that as long as he's wearing this uniform, we have to believe we can win every single game the rest of the season. And it's not even the name you guys are thinking I'm about to drop. I'm about to say Kobe Bufkin. I want everyone to realize how good Kobe Bufkin has been in the month of February, guys. 16.9 points per game, six rebounds per game, three assists per game, shooting 55% from the field, 48% from three on four attempts per game, 90% from the free throw line. This guy's the youngest guy on the Michigan roster, and he's playing this way as a sophomore. It's absurd. Tonight when Illinois looked like they were going to run away with it, 10-0 run immediately from Kobe Bufkin himself. Uh, if you look at what happened in the overtimes, as good as Michigan was in that first overtime, the ball wasn't in Kobe Bufkin's hands too much in the first or the second overtime. They got to find ways to get him involved in the end game. As long as he is on the floor, this team has a chance every single game to Kobe Bufkin. Greg, what I'm taking from this episode tonight too is you're coachable. You listen, you want to get better, you want to improve. Every day when I drop my kids off at school, It's have a positive attitude and give great effort every single day. Okay, Greg. And you right now are, you're coachable. You're coachable. I would have you in the locker room at any point in time. You're coachable. So cheers to you, man. McCall, thank you. I can't thank you enough, man. I didn't didn't know where my morale would be at the end of this show. And I can say genuinely, honestly, I'm reinvigorated and I'll be ready on Sunday in a Sunday ball. Let's go. All right, gentlemen, this was a blast. Uh, it really was. I actually mean that for Tyler Hansbro, for Matt McCall, for the YouTube chat, for producer Dagan Hughes. My name is Greg Waddell. I will be back on After Dark on Saturday night after the final regular season Saturday. The season marches here and we can't. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.